What would you do if you knew that God was fighting for you? What would you do and how would you live your life if you knew that God was in your corner? Today we're going to begin a brand new series entitled, If God is For Us. And we're going to talk about what does it mean to unlock the possibilities of living your life knowing that God is in your corner. Knowing that God, the God of heaven, the God of earth is fighting for you. Wouldn't it be amazing? I mean, just think about it for just a minute. What would happen in your life if you and I really got the revelation that God is fighting for us? Today, as we celebrate Easter, we're really celebrating the victory of the cross. We are celebrating the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. 2,000 years ago, the greatest battle that has ever been raged was raged, and it was a battle for our souls. And all of heaven confronted all of hell, and the Bible says that on the third day, Jesus triumphantly arose victoriously with the keys of death, hell, and the grave forever to declare that he is the ultimate champion. I'm just going to tell you, Rocky Balboa has nothing on Jesus. Amen? And so we're going to talk about over the next few weeks, what does that really mean to begin to live in that light, in that revelation? And how would that revelation of God being for you change the way you live your life? How would it change the way you look at your family? How would it change the way you look at your problems? How would it change the way you looked at your job or looked at your future? Because I believe this. I believe with all my heart. If we could ever get a genuine revelation that God is for us and not against us, it would revolutionize the way we live our lives. And it would transform something on the inside of us that would make an eternal difference in how we lived, how we acted, and how we conducted ourselves on a daily basis. Basis. So let's look this morning in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 is a pretty familiar scripture. Maybe you've heard it before. The Bible says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. For God knew His people in advance and He chose them to become like His Son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Look at the next verse. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Now look at verse 31. The Apostle Paul says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us. Y'all say that with me. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Who can ever be against us? And look at verse 32. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Everything else. If you got an outline when you came in today, if you'll look at that outline, the first point on your outline is on the screen. I want you to see four things 
that the Apostle Paul teaches us in Romans chapter 8. Four things that were accomplished through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Four things that God did that literally changed everything. It changed my life today. It changed my eternity tomorrow. And it literally opens the gateway for us to step into everything that God has for our lives. Romans 8 verse 30 told us these four things. It says that God has chose us, that God has called us, God has made us, and God has gave us everything that we need to live a victorious life. Now let me just say this, a victorious life begins with eternal life. See, if you're here today and you've never been saved, you've never trusted Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, then it doesn't matter what happens in this life because the Bible says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? The reality is true victory begins with settling the eternal question of where are you going to spend eternity and who is the Lord of your life. So the Bible says that He chose us, He called us, He made us, He gave us everything that we needed to live a victorious life. How? Through the death, through the death, burial, and resurrection of His Son Jesus. I'm glad we're going to go hunt some eggs and we're going to eat some hot dogs and we're going to jump on some inflatables in just a few minutes. But I want to tell you something. We have nothing to celebrate outside of the fact that Jesus suffered, bled, and died and rose again on the third day. We are here today because there is a resurrection Savior who died for our sins. And the reality this morning is that you don't, if you don't know God in a very real and a very personal way, Jesus called it being born again. If you've never been born again, and I had somebody tell me one day, well, Pastor Keith, I don't know if I've ever been born again. And I told him very quickly, well, you haven't. And let me tell you why I said that. Because if you've ever been born again, if you've ever had your sins forgiven, and the King of kings and the Lord of lords come and take up residence in your life by His Spirit, let me just tell you something, you're going to know it. Right? You're going to know it. And so today, the first key to victory is understanding and receiving Jesus as the Lord of your life. So let's talk about these four things. Romans 8.30 said that God chose us to be His sons and his daughters. So I want you to think about that for a minute. The Bible says that God chose us. Jesus actually went so far as to tell the disciples, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Now I want you to think about that for just a minute because for many of you in this room, you may have been like me and maybe growing up, maybe you weren't the person that everybody picked. Maybe you weren't the individual that everybody wanted on their team. As a matter of fact, I heard a story just a couple weeks ago. I watched it actually on YouTube one day and it was a testimony of a gentleman. He was about 45 years old. He had cerebral palsy and he began to tell the story of his life and he said there was one moment in his life that changed his life forever. He said it happened when he was 12 years old. He said, I was 12 years old. He said, I had cerebral palsy. He said, but I had a big brother. My big brother, he said, was this superstar athlete. He was a star basketball player at our school. And he said, every Saturday morning, about 9 or 10 o'clock, he said, all the neighborhood boys would come together and they'd gather at my house. He said, and they'd go out into our driveway where we had a basketball goal. And every Saturday, they'd play a pickup game of basketball. 
He said, and every week I'd beg my mom, Mom, can I play? Mom, can I play? Mom, can I play? He said, well, one day when I was 12 years old, he said, I was begging my mom, Mom, can I go play with my brother? He said, she finally looked at me and she said, you can go play. He said, I ran outside, went out there on the ball court with my, my big brother and all of his friends. And he said, here I was, a scrawny little 12-year-old boy with cerebral palsy among these giants, high school boys, all of them athletes, strong and buff. And he said, we were out there warming up. We warmed up about five, ten minutes. And he said, all of a sudden, it came time to pick teams. He said, my brother, who was the captain of the team, he, he, had, he was one of the team captains. And another guy who was another star on the team, they were going to pick the teams that day for that pickup basketball game. He said, my brother had first pick. He said, all of us other guys, we lined up over here, he said, as the two captains stood out front. He said, I'll never forget sitting there. He said, as a 12-year-old boy, he said, my brother stuck his finger out and he went down the line looking at all the guys. And he said, and when he got to me, he said, I pick you. He said, when as, he said as a 12-year-old boy, he said, at that moment when my brother picked me, he said, I ran as fast as my legs would carry me. And I buried my, my face in my big brother's chest and I gave him the biggest hug I could give him. He said, and for the next five minutes, he said, my brother and the other guy picked teams. And he said, while they were picking teams, he said, I still bear hug my brother. And he said, I wet the front of my brother's t-shirt with my tears. He said, because all I could think is my brother picked me. My brother picked me. And he said 30 years later, he said without a shadow of a doubt, he said that one moment has marked my life forever. I want you to understand today, God has picked you. God has picked you to be his son and his daughter. Your mom and dad may not have planned you. You might have grew up even being known as the accident of the family. That was a lot of laughs, so a lot of accidents in the house here today. You may have been the kid that when they divided teams at school, you hated it because you were always the last guy picked. And you know how it always goes? Well, I guess we'll just take Billy on our team. I want you to understand the world may have picked over you. But the God of heaven and earth has chosen you to be his son and his daughter. He has called you and chosen you to be a child of the king. Not only does the Bible say that God chose us, but the Bible goes on to say that God called us and it says he called us unto himself. That's an amazing thought because really what he's talking about, that calling is really an invitation. So God is inviting you not just to be a part of his family, but he is inviting you to come into an intimate relationship with him. See, I believe the greatest thing about Christianity is that we get to have a personal relationship with God. Man, I look at people all the time that are living their lives without the Lord and my heart breaks for them, And the reason my heart breaks for them is because, number one, they're going to spend eternity in a place called hell. But number two, they're living their life without the greatest relationship that any person can have, and that is a personal, intimate relationship with God. Man, they live every life all alone, every day of their life all alone, even though they're surrounded by people 
they're still vacant and void on the inside because they're missing the intimacy that every human being was created to have and that was an intimacy with God. He has chose you to be his child but he has also called you to come to himself. I mean think about it. I mean sometimes you can go to a family reunion and you can sit alone in the corner all by yourself, right? Sometimes you can be picked to be a part of the team and you can, you can sit the bench for the rest of the year. But I want you to understand, God hasn't chosen you to be his child so he can put you on the bench and never put you in the game. God hasn't chosen you to be his child so you can come to the family reunion every Sunday at church and still feel like an outsider. No, God has chosen you to be his child and he has called you to himself. He is inviting me and you to a life of intimacy with God where we walk with him and we talk with him. We go to bed at night with him on our heart and we wake up with him in our lives and we know that no matter what happens today, God is with me and that is an awesome revelation and today if you're living your life without that intimacy with God man you're missing out on the greatest thing that the world has to offer because it's Jesus and that relationship with him the Bible goes on to say there in Romans 8 30 he chose us he called us and then it says he made us Right, or he brought us into right standing with God. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, He who knew no sin, speaking of Jesus, became sin for us so that we could be made the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So we could be made right with God. I want you to understand something today. God has chosen you, God has called you, and God has made you right with himself through the death, burial, and resurrection of his son. And I don't think we understand this, even in the local church, even, even Christians. I think most Christians are missing the reality that we are in right standing with God. We have been made the righteousness of God. He made us right even when we had done wrong. And because of that right standing, we can come to God daily, intimately, personally, and walk with him. We can boldly ask God to show up and show out in our lives. Not because of our merit. Because I hope you understand today you're never good enough to go to heaven. I don't care how moral you are. I don't care how many of the laws you have kept. The reality is that we are all lost sinners who need an amazing Savior to rescue us from our sin and the only way the only way to be made right with God is through Jesus Christ there's no other way but the Bible says that God because of Jesus' death burial and resurrection has made us right he who knew no sin became sin for us so we could be made the righteousness of God David in the book of Psalms said it this way he said blessed is the man to whom God does not impart iniquity or sin but blessed is the man to whom God gives his righteousness Think about it today. What you could never earn, God freely gave you. What you could never merit, God freely gave to you. You have right standing with God. And because of right standing with God, there is a boldness and a confidence that now comes into our lives because I know I can come before God and live my life for God knowing that I'm right with Him, not based on yesterday's performance. 
Because the reality is all of us have had some bad yesterdays. And if our righteousness was measured by our performance, then we're all in trouble. And if you don't believe you'd be in trouble, just ask your spouse how righteous you really are. And they will remind you you're not all that. How many know the people that know you the best know you're not perfect? And the reality is today, guys, we have one hope. And the great news is that our hope has already been purchased and paid for. And Jesus has made us righteous. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to work for it. I just simply have to receive it by faith in Jesus Christ. The last thing, number four here on the screen, is not only did he choose us, not only did he call us, not only did he make us righteous, but the Bible says he gave us his glory. That word glory is an awesome word in the New Testament. In the Greek, the word glory has a couple different meanings. One of the words for glory literally means to have a weighty substance. Now, I don't know if any of you guys uh, are old enough to remember this. I'm not old. I'm still young, right? But uh, I'm older than some and younger than a few. So how many of you remember weebles that wobble, but they don't fall down? Anybody remember the weebles that wobble, but they don't fall down? Uh, If you don't remember the weebles that wobble and don't fall down, how many of you have ever had one of them blow-up punchy things? You know, where you just beat the fire out of it, and it falls over and comes back up, falls over and comes back up? Well, those weebles and those punchy things had one thing in common. They had an inner weight. They had an inner weight that no matter how hard you hit it, it always ended up standing back up. The Bible says God has given us His glory. His weighty presence, there is something given to you through Christ that if you'll let God work in your life, no matter what the world brings your way, when the storm clouds clear, you'll be standing up. You'll be standing up. There will be a power of stability and strength that rises up in you. Why? Because God has given us His glory. He has deposited a little bit of Himself on the inside of us so that when all hell breaks loose, weebles may wobble, but we won't fall down. We're going to keep standing. We're going to keep living. We're going to keep moving. We're going to keep progressing. We're going to keep going forward. We're going to keep loving and forgiving and giving of our lives. Why? Because there's something in us. See, that's the great news. If you don't know Jesus, you've got to get up on your own strength. But if you know Jesus, he gives you your, his glory and he puts a weight on the inside of you. And when you're all wore out, boom, you just bounce back up. Because that is what God has done through His Son. Easter is the celebration that God has chose us, God has called us, God has made us, and God has gave us His glory. Now let me give you another thought. This is really the theme of our whole series. God is for us. God is for us. And parent number 3413 needs to go to the check-in station, right? God is for us and not against us. God is fighting 
for you. See, this is the revelation that we need to get. This is the revelation that God wants to deposit in our life. God is for us, and He's not against us. God is fighting for you. Let's look at these next scriptures. We're just going to reread eight, Romans 8. Let's look at these verses right here. Paul says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? What's the wonderful things he's talking about? He's talking about the fact that God chose us. God called us, God made us, and God gave us. So Paul said this. He said, this is so amazing. What in the world can we say about these amazing things? This is what he says. He sums it up in one little phrase. This is what he says. What shall we say about these amazing, these wonderful things? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Paul said, let's sum all that up in one little phrase. If God is for us. Who can ever be against us? See, that is a revelation for most people today. Most people are not walking in the reality of this verse. Now let's look at the rest of that verse. Look at the last part, verse 32. It says, Since he, speaking of God, did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us Everything else. Here's the thought. If God loved you so much to give you Jesus, then everything else compared to Jesus is really nothing. And if God did not withhold His Son, then He'll also give us everything else that we need. See, everything you need to have a happy home, you can find in Jesus. Everything you need to raise godly kids, you can find in Jesus. Everything you need to be free of the thing that's holding you down, you can find in Jesus. Everything you are looking for that's going to fill the void of your heart can only be found in Jesus. If he did not spare his own son, his own son then surely he will also give us everything else that we need. So let me ask a question. If Jesus on the cross and through the resurrection paid the price for our redemption, our salvation, our deliverance, our healing, and our hope, if everything that needed to be done has already been done by God through Jesus, then why are so many people living way below the standard? I mean, if Jesus really has done everything that needs to be done, for us to enjoy everything that God has, then why are so many people living so far below the standard of God's victory, God's favor, God's grace, God's peace, God's joy, God's goodness? Why are so many people missing out if everything's already been done and paid for for us to have what God's made available? Well, here's the problem and the answer. Let's look at the next screen. The problem is that most people don't believe that God is for them. See, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says that without faith it is impossible to please God. And they that come to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. See, why are so many people missing out on the fullness that God has for our lives. It's simply because they 
don't believe. Without faith, you can't access the victory of Christ. Without faith, you can't have eternal life. Without faith, you'll never know abundant life. Without faith, you'll never walk in the fullness of life that God has for you. Without faith, you can't receive what God gives, even though it has already been purchased and paid for. I mean, it's kind of like having a million dollars in the bank and forgetting, forgetting your PIN number. I know it's in there, but I can't get it out. Faith is the key that unlocks the investment that God has already made in your life, for your life, that enables you to access everything that God has. But the problem is that most people don't really believe that God is for them. And the reason I would say that is because... As soon as something bad happens, most people shake their fist at God. Now, let's just think about that for a minute. How many times have you had tragedy strike your life, and when trouble, trial, tribulation, pressure, problems, difficulties arise, how many times have you said, God, what are you doing to me? God, why is this happening? Lord, I don't know what's going on. I'm doing my best, God. What's wrong? God, do you even care? My wife left. I lost my job. I'm losing everything I got. Come on, God, what are you doing? Sound familiar? Every time something bad happens in most people's lives, most people shake their fist at God. And the fact that you shake your fist at God when problems and trials and tribulations come your way is evidence, it is the proof that says we really don't believe that God's for us. Because you don't shake your fist at people that are helping you. You shake your fist at the people that you think are hurting you. And we have a world We even have churches and Christians shaking their fist at God. And the reason we shake our fist is because we really don't believe that God is for us. We actually think God's against us. God's trying to punish us. God's trying to hurt us. God's trying to stomp us out. God's trying to destroy us. God's trying to keep me from being happy. Let me tell you the truth today. The truth is, God is fighting for you. God is fighting for you. God is not against you. God is not trying to destroy you. God is not out to hurt you. God is in your corner. He is fighting for your life. But you'll never experience the fullness of what he wants to do until you actually believe that God is for you. Now let me give you a couple scriptures because I want to eradicate some lies about God. See, I believe that Satan's greatest form of deception is the way that he deceives people into blaming God for the things that he has done. Because Satan knows if he can get you to shake your fist at God, 
If he can get you to be angry at God, if he can get you to be offended at God, if he can get you to fight against God, then he knows you'll never get the breakthrough, the victory, the healing, the deliverance that you're looking for because he knows only God can give you what you need. But as long as you shake your fist at him, you can't experience what God has because only faith allows us to access what God is freely giving. Let me give you two scriptures, John chapter 10. Jesus is speaking. He says, A thief has come but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And verse 11 is a great verse. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. I want you to see this real quick. God is a lot of things, but let me tell you what he's not. He's not a thief. God has not come to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. I use this scripture all the time. If you're a part of Liberty Church, you know this is my favorite verse in the whole Bible because to me it's the dividing rod of everything. If something comes in my life that's trying to steal, kill, or destroy, I know it's not God. If something comes in my life to give me life and life more abundantly that matches what God has promised for my life, I know it is God. So I know to resist the things that still kill and destroy, and I know to embrace the things that God wants to bring into my life to give me life and life more abundant. But if you don't discern that, then you'll spend your life shaking your fists at God thinking everything that steals, kills, and destroys is from Him instead of recognizing that Jesus came to destroy the work of the thief and give us life and life more abundant. Let me give you one other verse real quick, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 25 and 26. The Bible says this, For Christ must reign until he humbles all of his enemies beneath his feet, and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Why do I read that verse to you today? Because one of the greatest accusations is that if you've ever lost somebody that you love, every time somebody dies, people look up to heaven and say, God, why'd you take them? You ever done that? The Bible says that death is not the friend of God. Death is not the will of God. Death is not the plan of God. The Bible says death is the enemy of God. God didn't take your family member. God didn't take your child. God didn't take the people that you loved out of your life. Death comes from sin. We live in a world cursed by sin. And because of sin, sin brings death. But Jesus came to destroy the power of the one who had the power of death and to bring victory and life to each and every one of us. But yet multitudes of people, even Christians live with an offense in their heart toward God because they think God is taking people out of their life and they think God is robbing them of joy and peace and they think God is somehow out to get them. I want you to understand God is for you, not against you. Death is not the will of God, the friend of God. It is the enemy of God. And one day the Bible says it will all be destroyed through the power of Jesus Christ. If something is stealing and killing and destroying your life, you can know without a doubt it's not God. Let me give you our last thought. So here it is. If God is fighting for you, then why are you fighting God? 
If God is fighting for you, then why are you fighting God? I mean, think about it. Think about how many times we've resisted God. Think about how many times the Lord has prompted you to do something and you say, I don't want to do that right now. Think about how many times God wanted to do something in you and you resisted what God wanted to do. Think about today the fact that many of you in this room may not know the Lord in a personal and a real way. And every time you go to church or every time you get around certain people, you feel this conviction, this drawing of the Holy Spirit. And you're like, oh, I can't go. I can't do it. Why? If God's fighting for you, then why are we fighting God? Today we want to give you an opportunity to do something. We want to give every person in this room an opportunity to say yes to God. To say yes to Him. God, I don't want to fight you anymore. I don't want to run from you anymore. Why? Because the Bible says God is good. And if God's wanting to do something in your life, it's not a bad thing that He's wanting to do. It's a good thing that He's wanting to do. And He's calling you to Himself today because He loves you. I want you just to bow your heads for just a minute. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And I want to just simply say to you that if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus, God has chosen you. God has called you. God has made you. And God wants to give you His glory. But you've got to come to Jesus. You've got to come to Him today. You've got to be willing to surrender your life and say, yes, God. I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of resisting. I want to say, yes, Lord. If you're here today and you want to say, yes, Lord, to Jesus, I want you just to raise your hand real quick. Just all over this building, I want to say yes to the Lord this morning. Right now, hands are going up. I want to say yes to Jesus this morning. Don't be ashamed. Raise it high. Raise it proud. God's fighting for you, so don't fight God this morning. You're raising your hand all over this building. Amen. You can put your hand down. I want to give you about 30 more seconds, and I want to say this. There are many of you that didn't raise your hand. And right now you're fighting God. But I got great news for you today. God's fighting for you. He loves you this morning. He loves you this morning. And He wants to save you from your sin, from your past. And He wants to give you a glorious future today. Only through Jesus. So the last call right now, if you're here today and you didn't raise your hands a while ago, but you want to raise your hand now, I want, I, want to, I want to say yes to God. I want you just to lift your hand. God bless every hand going up right now. I want to say yes to God right now. I want to say yes to God right now. God bless you this morning. You can put your hands down. Now this is what I'm going to ask you to do. And the reason I'm going to ask you to do this is because the Bible says faith without works is dead. Faith requires action. And this is what I want to ask you to do. In just a second, I'm going to count to three. And when I count to three, I want everybody that raised their hand just to stand up right where you're at. And I want you to look directly to me. And I'm going to lead, I'm going to lead you in a prayer this morning.
And we're going to pray a simple prayer of salvation. We're going to ask Jesus Christ to come into our hearts and forgive us of our sins. So right now, as I count to three, you go ahead and stand up. One, two, three. Right now, stand up all over this building. Stand up all over this building right now. Praise God. Praise God. I want you to remain standing right now. I want every one of you standing just to look at me right now. God loves you. And today you made the greatest decision you've ever made in your life. And I want you right now just to close your eyes where you're standing. Let's just pray this prayer together. I want you to repeat it out, me, out loud with me. I want everybody seated to go ahead and say it out loud with us also this morning. Let's pray this prayer together. Are you ready? Real loud with boldness. Let's say, Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for choosing me. Thank you for saving me. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. I surrender my life to you today. I say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Y'all remain standing if you will. Amen. Please remain standing. Now this is what we're going to do. We're going to have our praise team come up in just a minute. And we're going to ask everybody that stood up if you would make your way. We're just going to let you slip out of your chairs right now and go right back to the cafe. we got folks back there waving. We've got some information we'd love to give you today. We'd love to help you take the next step in your journey. So if you stood up, we're going to ask you just to slip out right here. Head back right to the cafe. You're going to be back with us in just a minute. We're not going to dismiss till everybody gets back in here. But if you stood up to accept Christ today, we'd love for you to go to the back. We want to get some information. We want to give you a new believer's Bible study. We want to help you make that next step in following Jesus this morning. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise in the house today. Come on, Jesus. Come on, y'all can do a little better than that. I mean, come on. We just plundered hell this morning. Now, I want to ask all of you just to stand to your feet. We're going to go into a time of worship, but before we do, I want to talk to every person left standing here today. I realize that many of you here standing are Christians. You've already made that decision to follow Christ. You've already surrendered your heart to the Lord. But let me tell you what I know as a Christian. I know that as a Christian, there are still times in my life that I fight God. God begins to deal with me about things, or God begins to show certain things in my life that He wants to do. Maybe it's something you need to let go of. Maybe it's something you need to grab hold of. I don't know what it is today, but I know this. I know that even as Christians, if we're not careful, we'll get in a wrestling match with God. And let me tell you what happens. As long as you wrestle with God, you stifle your growth, and you never go to the next level. Your victory comes through surrender. Your victory comes through surrender. And I want to just give you an opportunity this morning as a believer that if there's something in your life and you've been wrestling with the Lord, 
Man, today's the day to let go of it. Today is the day to release what you need to release and grab hold of what you need to grab hold of. And today is the day that all of us need to say yes to Jesus. So I want you to do this this morning. We're just, we're just going to get out of our box today. Is that all right? We're just going to be radical and bold. And I just want to say if you're here today and you want to take a new step of faith with the Lord, I want you just to step out and come and let's just stand in this altar together. I want to pray over you right now. You're here today as a believer and you say, you know what, I want to take a new step of faith today. I want to step out toward what God has for me. I don't want to resist Him. I don't want to, be, I don't want to, I don't want to pull back from Him any longer. I want to say yes to everything that God has for my life. Right now, just come on. Let's just fill the altar up. Let's just come and say, hey, I want to say yes to Jesus this morning. I want to say yes to what God is wanting to do in my life because it's a good thing. God is for you. Amen? God is for you. So let's just lift our hands. Let's just say this together. If you would, just pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I say yes. I surrender to everything you want to do in my life. I lay it before you. I stop resisting. I stop fighting. God, today, I wave the flag of surrender and I receive the victory of Jesus Christ. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. And you are for me. And no one can stand against me. I receive every good thing that you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a praise this morning. Amen.